The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and today. The year is 1986, and this is episode 5. This episode covers the months of August through October. Uh, Yes, the congregation are ready for your interview. Welcome to side two of the album, Press to Play. We're back. This is Mal Redding coming to you from London with Paul McCartney. Good day, sir. Paul, let's listen to the title track now. It's called Press. That was the track that kind of came out from the album tracks as being most singly, one of the most singly ones. I was just going to say... I. I disagree a bit, I'm afraid. Oh, I don't know, I shouldn't. Um, You're allowed to disagree. What about Oklahoma in it? Yeah. Um, it sounded like it's some, an in-joke. It sounds like an in-joke, isn't it? It's really... Sometimes you get lines in songs that you don't really understand. And your instinct says to you, change it, because you don't understand what this line means. Sometimes it's very difficult to change it. It just keeps sitting there, and you, nothing else will come. Uh, and the Oklahoma bit... Oklahoma was never like this. It just means it was never like this. Things were never like this. Either the film Oklahoma... <laughs> or um, the place. Uh, you know, somebody's come from Oklahoma to New York, London, L.A. and made something of their life, and they say Oklahoma was never like this. It's very vague. I'm not sure what it means, Rona. Oh 
great drumming there on the title track from the new Paul McCartney album, Press. A fellow called Jerry Marotta, he's, he's drumming on Press. And as Hugh said, he really knows how to thwack a skin. Well, how about um, you coming back out to the stage, because it's been a while. I mean, we've seen you at the Princess Trust and, and that memorable finale at Live Aid. I think people would like to see Paul McCartney back out on the road doing a tour. Certainly in America, I know that there are vast numbers of people that probably never even seen you on the road, because it's been, what, ten years since we... Yes, ten years since I was there last, and then obviously quite a time before the Beatles did anything. Um, well, actually, at the moment, uh, my main consideration is just getting the album out, because that's the kind of bit of work I've just finished doing. But I would like to look at uh, putting a band together after that. That's kind of next on my agenda, really is to look for some musicians that uh, we can have a bit of fun and put a nice little band together. And then I, I would, uh, you know, I am then thinking, it's, it's a little bit vague at the moment, so I don't want to kind of promise people I'm coming on tour and have them sort of writing for tickets and stuff. Um, and then me not show up, you know. So, but, but that is my plan at the moment. I'm kind of working towards, um, looking towards maybe the end of this year or early, or whatever, sometime next year. And would you take it to America? Yes, if I get it together, I'll probably take it everywhere. Let's listen to another tune from Press to Play, Pretty Little Head. Ah, uh, crazy. It's, it's a crazy track, but on purpose. Um, what happens is, you know, some, some days you just don't want to do how you did it the day before kind of thing. And in my case, uh, I often think back to the 60s with some of the sessions we did then, which were pretty insane sessions. Um, it really, all it was is you needed a new artistic direction. You didn't want to just do things how you'd done them before, and you were looking for areas and ways of sort of taking risks, really, because in a way that's what a lot of uh, rock and roll, pop music, whatever you want to call it, is about, is not sticking to your old formulas. And in my case, obviously, having done so much, I've got quite a few old formulas <laughs> to get rid of. Um, so this was one where we just tried to ring the changes completely. And so I asked the drummer, Jerry Marotta. Well, Jerry the Rotter to his friends. If it'd be okay for me to play drums. And so he immediately leapt onto the vibes, which he loves. And he's a frustrated vibes player, really. So he played vibes on there. And then Eric Stewart, uh, who, who'd been, who normally plays guitar, we put him on keyboard. So he played a synth on that. So we just, we just tried everything we could to make it different, um, just to keep it fresh for us. And, uh, okay, I described it as crazy, but another thing may be fresh. In a way, if I was asked to describe this album, that's the feeling I get off it, is that there are uh, quite a few areas that, that are different f from what you'd normally expect from me. And I like that. Obviously, there's a little bit of a risk in doing that, because you're going to find some people at the record companies and certain die-hard McCartney fans are going to say, oh, you know, I wish you'd done a, a pretty ballad or something. Uh, and so it's difficult. You can't really please everyone. So you have to just follow your own instinct, you know. So this is what we did on this one. And it just it got into a sort of mini-epic. I mean, to me, I see like a whole film behind this one. You know, it's, it's like, it reminds me of Dune, the film and the Fremen. And in this case, it's the Hillmen who come down from the lava, forging across the mighty river flow, and bringing garments and silk and spices and exotic legends. And the, the tagline is only so you won't have to worry your pretty little head. 
I'm secretly waiting for Spielberg to ring me up and say, Paul, I think that'd be a great movie. So, okay, Stevie, baby, I'll let you do it.
That was Pretty Little Head from Press to Play. And that's my new album. And I think I'm Paul McCartney in London. Another one that I, that I really like is Move Over Busker. Oh, now, it's serious rock and roll with the wackiest lyrics. I mean, Errol man. Flynn in a skin, a tiger skin. I mean, you know, where do these ideas come from? May West in a sweaty vest. Uh, I don't know, you know, it was me and Eric, Eric Stewart. Um, we sat down with that one, and where did it... I, I don't know. God knows where the ideas come from. We were we started off with the, what's the opening lines? I was uh, just going down the road or something. I don't know, like pedaling. I can't remember it. <laughs> but I, we we sort of started off with a couple of opening lines that sounded promising. Sounded like we could go somewhere from here. And then the first verse, Nell Gwynn came in, and that was kind of slightly sexist, really. Sorry, ladies, but you know these lads can't can't help it. And it was like Nell Gwynn, and and I imagine this picture of her kind of with all her oranges. And traditionally, she's always a very busty lady, like Benny Hill. She's got this tray of oranges, and the line was, "I'll have one of those." So it's like a slightly sort of innuendo job, you know. So that's kicked us off, and then she ter- she turns around and says, "You know, on your bike, move over, busker." And she tells him to clear off. So then the next verse became May West. And then vest rhymed with that. And I'm always talking about sweaty vests. It's like a joke from way back, that one. Like many moons ago, he's quoth, the sweaty vest. And um, then Errol Flynn popped up in the last verse, you know, in his motorhome. So it was just, it was good fun, you know. It was just crazy lyrics. It didn't really matter. But it was nice because it gives you an attitude when you're singing it. You don't have to be too serious singing stuff like that, you know. So you just belt it, which is really what I wanted.
tell us about some of your musical friends who appear on the new album, Press to Play. Musical friends? I have none. No, 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 just joshing. Um, okay, first of all, you've got Jerry Marotta, who's the drummer, who's sort of the backbone of the album, really. Phil Collins guests on one of the tracks, again, because I knew him and Hugh had done a lot of work with him, and there was going to be no problem getting his drum sound, because Hugh's done it on his last few albums, anyway. So Phil was great. He's on a track called Angry. Uh, along with him as kind of star guests, uh, really just on this one track, was Pete Townsend. Um, and the reason for that really was, uh, besides the fact that I know him and love him for a long time, and he's, he's a real good lad, um, the thing is that the riff that I'd worked out to do on the, on the intro of this song, it's a chord riff which is very much Pete's kind of thing. So every time I play it, I'd like be Pete Townsend doing it, kind of, you know, like, like kids do, you know. <laughs> kids? Some kid? When it came down to it, I found it very difficult to write the lyrics. The feeling and everything's dead easy. Because I get angry, just like anyone does. I mean, and if it's not, if it's, if people might say, well, you know, you've got such a comfortable lifestyle and stuff, how the hell can you get it? You're not on the dole. How, how do you dare be angry? You've got nothing to be angry about. But you have, you know, you've got uh, Iran, Nicaragua, Reagan. There's something right there, you know. Would you write a song you got... about it? Well, this song was an attempt to do all of that, but I really found it difficult to do Iran, Reagan, and that, you, to put that into rock lyrics is, like, really not easy. You try writing a rock song, they're actually the hardest songs to write. That's why I love Chuck Berry so much. Was that, like, his lyrics, are, I think, are, like, some of the best ever. But they're always in these great little sort of rock framework. So the, I've written I'm Down was kind of probably some of the most, most rocking things. And it's very, they're very difficult to write. They sound easy because they're all on one note, there's three chords, and you think, well, anyone could do that. But to actually sum it up like a good rock song, is, it's actually the hardest thing to do. So I tried on this thing. You'd have to check this track out called Angry. It's, it sounds angry enough, but the lyrics, I couldn't really pinpoint down what I was angry about.
Me on bass, Phil on drums, and Pete on guitar. A dream come true, almost. Well, I tell you, it was a buzz. Where, you know, because they're just so quick in the studio, so professional and everything, because they just know exactly what's going on. What are your favourite tracks on your album? Um, don't know. <laughs> well, at least he's honest. It's true, it's true. It's, you know, it's one of those albums, it's very hard to pick out a track. You know, a minute I think of However Absurd, which is like a kind of crazy track, then I think.
the LP, press to play. Uh, thank you. Cheers. The UK album release takes place on September 1st. The cover of the LP has a photograph of Paul and Linda. And on the front cover, you have a very dramatic uh, black and white photo of yourself and Linda. It looks like an old film star photo, and imagine my surprise when I discovered that it was taken by a man who used to take the old film star photos, George Harrell. Yeah, he's great. He's got a completely different style from modern photographers. Because I always find with a modern photographer, well, most modern photographers anyway, you have to sparkle. You get the feeling that it's all to you. You know, you've got to, ha whoa, hey, and you've got to do lots of that to try and sort of look good or moody or whatever. With him, he'll just sort of say, you, you kind of go, he said, that's it, don't move. He said, nose down, chin up, eyes here. And you hardly have to do anything. He just spots what he likes and then he lights you. He just makes it all very perfect. The, the, the main art, like in old photography, is keeping still. You don't have to keep still for 15 minutes anymore, but uh, you know, because of this, the system, that, that is the big trick, which I love. I'll keep still. I'm, I'm good at that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it was incredible, really, and he's, 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 he's such a great guy. And just when he's got it, he's got you in exactly the right position, and he wants a little bit of sparkle, let's say. He wants you to sparkle. He'll just do what the old-fashioned camera people will do, which is like he'll say, uh, once more around the park for a cup of coffee. And you... <coughs> and he'll take it, you know, just at that moment you're breaking up. Or what's one of his others, he says, uh, when he thinks it's just happened, he says, she's heading for the barn. The LP reached number 30 in the U.S. Billboard Top 200 chart and number 8 in the U.K. Album chart. Have you got a parting message for any of your fans listening to you right now? I love you madly. I love you. I think you're wonderful. I think you've got such good taste. Well, a parting message. Hi there. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, I remember I used to listen to the radio to people I liked. So listen, here's me reaching across the airwaves, touching you. How are you doing? Okay. Keep cool, be peaceful, and let's have a good time in life. Paul, as always, it's been a pleasure spending time with you and talking about your new record, Press to Play. We wish you success, and let's see a bit more of you in the future, out on the road, we hope. Okay, yeah, well, I'm getting on my wellies and uh, getting ready to hop out there. This Thank you, it's been a pleasure for me, too.
flew to New York to promote the new album, Press to Play. 7.38, and now here's Kara. Thank you, Willard. Like the song title, it seems like only yesterday that the Beatles conquered the world. But as today, music correspondent Rona Elliott points out in the third part of her conversation with Paul McCartney, it was, in fact, a long time ago, right, Rona? Yeah, it really was. Good morning, Carol. The line in Sgt. Pepper goes, it was 20 years ago today, and actually it was 20 years ago this week that the Beatles performed their last concert together at Candlestick Park in San Francisco. Now in 1986, the Beatles are history, and Paul McCartney, the cute Beatle to so many fans, is 44 years old. He has four kids and a family life that has nurtured him for some time. Um, it's, it's very helpful, you know. To me, it's, it's very good, uh, very supportive in my life. I keep expecting, you know, with kids, you keep expecting them to turn around and sort of say, oh, you know, your music stinks, we're into this, you know. Which you do expect, and everyone uh, expects it too. The interviewers always sort of say, and, you know, do your kids tell you they don't like your... But um, mine seem to be very supportive, and they, they seem to like their old dad, you know. What about, great. what about being married for 17 years? What about That's it? That's pretty incredible. Yeah. For anybody. Guinness Book of Records time. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we're surprised constantly, you know, because, I mean, they did always say that when you kind of get past 40, like the years seem to flick by, and they really do. God. It's terrifying. So, but, but, you know, 17 years, yeah, she's a great woman. Very strong woman. Very misunderstood. 
because when she does interviews, tends to tense up because she's not really a sort of professional person that way. She's she's not used to being in the public eye. She's used to being behind the camera, which is a lot easier uh, than actually sitting there and explaining, trying to justify living. I'm okay, honest, mm-hmm. you know. So she, whenever she gets in front of a camera, she does tend to be very serious and talk about issues that concern her deeply, which a lot of people like. But some people, I think, take it as a hardness and a sort of coldness, mm. which is the very opposite of how she is, actually. She's, she's a great cook, great mother. She's, she's a good girl. With all the promotional interviews in the tri-state area, the McCartney stayed well-grounded with family in Long Island. One afternoon at Poolside, Paul spotted record producer Phil Ramone. The two chatted, and according to Phil... Their conversation led to having fun recording together to see what develops. So on the week of the 25th at the Power Station Studios on West 53rd Street, Paul began work on some new material. With Phil Ramone producing the session, he gathered a few friends from Billy Joel's band to back up Paul. The lineup included drummer Liberty DeVito, guitarist David Brown, bassist Neil Jason, and keyboardist David LeBolt. Some boats gone out fishing Some boats high and dry Some boats on mission To the lonely Lorelei Some folks got a vision Of a castle in the sky And I'm left stranded Wondering Local neighborhood I won't need a castle They got 
Sean Penn make trouble making their new movie, Who Calms Things Down? Ex-Beatle George Harrison. And this week's People tells you why. People celebrates people. Like Harrison, an unexpectedly important movie mogul. Like teen queen Molly Ringwald sitting pretty with her smash hit, Pretty in Pink. Then a delightful people portrait of Geraldine Page, who may finally win an Oscar. Plus, Sex in the Office, Is It Good for Business? Week after week, People celebrates people. This week, George Harrison taking the pens in hand. You worked with Madonna on Shanghai Surprise. I tried to. <laughs> that sort of answers my question. What was that like, working with her or trying to? It was, do you know the truth? It was a pain in the ass. Why? Because um, we were doing a comedy movie. She hasn't got a sense of humor. And her husband, Sean, who's a really nice, intelligent fellow, and I had a laugh with him at times, but... You know, he sort of gets all uptight and, you know, cause all the trouble and it was like the producers, you know, where he says, I picked the wrong cast, the wrong actors, the wrong director, where did I go right? <laughs> it was like one of them. It was the first time we ever had any dealings with sort of Hollywood kind of um, mentality and it was the only film out of say 15 movies we've made that wasn't enjoyable although I had a laugh personally you know it was I didn't mind and doing the music I had a laugh and you know it was funny just doing little things to the soundtrack you know to I would have loved to have taken that film and dubbed their voices and done all kind I could have made that film a smash because you know, it was hysterical, some of the stuff we got up to in the studio with it, but, you know, the director thought he was, you know, the director was, uh, you know, he, uh, I could understand why Sean got frustrated, because, you know, the director was a very nice person, but, yeah, I don't know, the film, it just, it was just, all these elements were missing from it. it parts of it looked good, but, um, this strain against trying to make a, something comical and an adventure with people who were all bitching each other. It just didn't work. On August 29th, the handmade films production, Shanghai Surprise, starring Madonna and Sean Penn, has its film premiere at the Low State Theater on Broadway and 45th Street. Best international currency in the world. Opium. Shanghai, a place of mystery. Attend him. <laughs> a world. I'd skip that one. Of surprise. Run for hell! Next time I see you, I set you up in a nice tie. Yeah, no, we still have it. Sean Penn. See, you have quite a following, Mr. Wazy. Madonna. You deceitful, jelly-spined, backstabbing bat- Shanghai Surprise. Two missionaries and a glow-in-the-dark tie salesman do not just stroll up to people and ask if they've seen a thousand pounds of opium lying around. Good evening, Mr. Wazy. You could please get on with this, Mr. Wazy. We have a lot to do today. Hey, you look sincere and you sound sincere and you're lying through your teeth. You know that? What did you say, Mr. Wazy? I can't hear you. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents Sean Penn, Madonna, Shanghai Surprise. 
Shanghai surprise. Very hot item. On September 5th in America on MTV Network Television, Paul McCartney introduces Tina Turner on the annual MTV Awards. To sing with her on the Prince's Trust, and boy, was it a blast. Ladies and gentlemen, direct from the U.S. of A., Tina Turner! On September 20th, MPL's animated short, Rupert and the Frog Song, is premiered on the Disney Channel. Paul McCartney has brought to life England's most lovable, famous storybook character. Meet Rupert the Bear. Hello, Mr. Butterfly. What are you doing here? Come on, up you go. Paul not only produced this beautifully illustrated animated short, but also wrote its magnificent score. Rupert Bear is this little white teddy bear that I first met when I was a kid. He's been having adventures now, I think, for about 60 years with his little friends. I'm going for a walk in the hills. Do you want to come? Oh, I wish I mm. could come, but I have to do some shopping. And I have to look after baby brother. <laughs> but it wasn't really till I was a bit older and I was reading one of my children, a bedtime story from Rupert, that I started to think what a great character he could be for these days. Someone needed to animate him. To me, he's a very optimistic little fella. And that was what I liked about him as a cartoon character. So the challenge was to try and look for a really good story that um, involved a lot of the characters. So we, we came up with the short, Rupert and the Frog Song. Then you have an adventure where he goes off to somewhere sort of special, which he's always doing in the annuals. This time we had him going off into a cave deep below a mountain where the frogs are having their celebration. Frogs only beyond this point. It's not very clear how often the celebration is, but I suspect it's about once every 200 years myself. Hey, Dad, when's the show going to start? Hey, Dad. Now look, son, this only happens once every couple of hundred years. If you don't pipe down, I will, I will not bring you again. With animation, it can do anything. A camera can go anywhere. I mean, it can just swing down from the top of the tree, go underwater, come back up again. And it's that kind of magic of being able to do absolutely anything with animation that attracts me. Cheerio! Mind how you go! Paul McCartney's magical animated short is appearing this month on the Disney Channel. Rupert and the Frog Song. Over in Atlanta, Georgia on October 6th, Ringo takes part in a press conference promoting a new mid-scale restaurant called the London Brasserie. Is this just an investment for you, or are you going to be involved in any other way? Well, I'm involved by coming here to promote it. I mean, the building is already there, the plans are gone up. I'm not actually going to wait on tables. <laughs> You're not? Oh, sorry, I didn't tell you. There's really nothing I can say. Alan invited me to get involved in this project, and, uh, showed me drawings and his ideas and knowing him for a while is how 
hotel and there's restaurants in London, uh, I thought it would be nice to become involved. And that's why, not like everybody thinks that it's my restaurant. Uh, that's the news all over America, Ringo's Ocean Restaurant. Well, he's just involved in the restaurant. In fact, when we landed yesterday, somebody thought it was Barbara's restaurant. <laughs> she said, we got off the plane, said, how's Barbara? You got off a restaurant. <laughs> not very good, actually. Ringo, do you have a favorite dish or two that you'll try to get uh, installed on the menu? Uh, not really. Not really. I would like fish and chips. <laughs> On October 16th at the Fox Theater in St. Louis, Missouri, an all-star rock and roll birthday celebration is held for Chuck Berry, who will turn 60 on October 18th. I'd never met him. Today he walked in the door and I just, you know, I went, Chuck Berry, my hero, he just came out, you know. I don't think there's any group in the world, uh, white or black, but mainly the white kids were really turned on by Chuck Berry, you know, and uh, not one of us from Beatles to Stones. You name any top group, they've all been influenced by him. His lyrics were very intelligent lyrics in, in, in the 50s when people were just singing virtually about nothing. He was writing social comment songs. He's writing all kinds of songs with incredible meter to the lyrics, which influenced Dylan and me and many other people. The meter of his lyrics was tremendous. He's the greatest rock and roll poet, and I really admire him. You know? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And now at this time, I'd like to introduce a young man who is the seed of the greatest influence in uh, rock music in the 60s, believe me, has done the, not only my music, but the world a great tribute in rock music. None other than his son, Julian Lennon, to do Johnny B. Good. Come on, Julian. Yes, they will. Hear playing music when the sun goes down. 
On October 17th in Los Angeles, California, record executive and the first U.S. head of Apple Records, Ron Cass, dies of cancer at age 51. Cass managed Apple from 1968 to 1969 when he was forced out by Alan Klein. Cass was also the third husband to TV's Dynasty film star, Joan Collins. The couple had one child before divorcing in 1983. In America on October 27th, Capitol Records released the album Men Love Avenue by John Lennon.
This posthumous album is a collection of Lennon outtakes and oddities that were never released. I don't have any hankering to be looked upon as a, a, a sex object, male rock and roll singer. I like to look good and I like to be attractive. And, you know, I enjoy the, the macho part of rock. But I, I don't have any need to be the idol.
Side 1 contains five rock and roll numbers. That's the music that brought me from the provinces of England to the world and finally to America, New York, and uh, I'll never forget it. I mean, that's what made me what I am, whatever it is I am, and it brought a lot of English musicians out of their, you know, I don't know where we'd have been without rock and roll, and well, I really love it, you know.
Side 2 targets five demo tracks from the 1974 LP, Walls and Bridges. And then we have the very ironic Steel and Glass. This one is about nobody in particular, although you hear me whispering, who is it, who is there it? you stand with your LA tent And you knew your wall And you knew your tongue Your mother left you When you were small But you're gonna weep You wasn't born Steve. 
And then we have my favorite piece of work, Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out. Nobody loves you when you're down and out Nobody sees you when you're on cloud nine Everybody's hustling for a buck and a dime I'll scratch your back and you scratch mine Well, I've been across to the other side I've shown you everything, I got nothing to hide But still you ask me, do I love you? What it is, what it is All I can show you is all show All I can tell you is it's all sure Nobody loves you when you're down and out Nobody knows you when you're on the cloud night Everybody's hustling for a buck and a dime I'll scratch your back
Everybody's hollering about their own birthday Everybody loves you when you're six foot in the ground The album title refers to Lennon's childhood home, 251 Menlove Avenue in Liverpool, where he and his aunt Mimi lived. The album cover artwork was a photo of John's face affected by Andy Warhol, done just months prior to Lennon's death. The LP was issued in the UK on November 3rd and reached number 127 in the US album chart, and in the UK, it had failed to chart. Coming up in a moment, Paul is live on stage at the Cactus Club. Over on guitar here, we have a young gentleman called Dwayne. I'm going to give you the first name. And the Papago Indian in the back here is Jerry. All right, thank you. And I'm Billy Joel. Paul plays to the Queen. It'll be full of royalty and oity doities, so I can't be having none of your crimpling rubbish. Ringo and Paul team up against drugs. Hello, Ringo here. It's a long time since we had Beatles. It's a long time since we had Yellow Submarines. Though I suppose we still have got plenty of blue meaning. And the Beatles appear on television. Paul, do something! Perhaps a bit of music to soothe the savage beast? Next on Yesterday and Today. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast, or facebook.com slash third men, or you could head to society6.com 
youtube.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Oh, for God's sake.